May the Lord bless you all in this day, in this morning here, in our time of meeting, and I'm sure maybe it's midnight or 2 a.m. in the morning in some other places of the world. But either way, there are many people who at that time stay up to hear, to watch the sermon. And well, all of this is very beautiful for God is pleased with all the things that we do for him to honor him and to always give the Lord thanks for all that he does for us every day of our life. Another day that we are living and we want to be useful to the Lord. We want to serve him. We want to be useful to him always and serve with what he has given us and what God has appointed us to do so we may minister. And God willing, we are able to execute this work while we are here on earth so that one day we may come before the presence of the Lord, not empty handed, but full of many fruits of all of the work that we have made an effort to do in our life. And so all, I hope that we all have that heart and that desire, that longing to serve the Lord, the God that created the heavens and earth and universe, who rules us, the King. And before beginning our teaching, I also greet all the brothers and sisters in all the countries you already know, from Patagonia, from the north, uh, they're in, Al in Alaska. For in Alaska, there's a small group, and in Patagonia, there's also a smart, small group. And from Alaska to Patagonia, all the brothers and sisters who gather and congregate, who have known the word or have gotten to know the word of our Lord, a greeting to you in all of Europe and Asia and Africa, the islands, and the different islands, a greeting to you all. And here in the United States as well, where the brothers and sisters are tuning in, a greeting to you as well, my dear brothers and sisters, all of the pastors, all the preachers who have forgotten to write a letter to me. The pastors are not rem remembering me, but I, I know that they are. I know. And so a greeting to you all, my dear brothers and sisters. The Lord be with us today and a greeting also to all of the other people who all the other people who are joining us in the sermons and they too are listening and they desire and they long for the congregations to reopen so that they can come and join us and congregate and so today we're going to sing to the lord hymn number 119 titled there is a place i long to be there is a place I long to be. And what is that place where we long to be? Well, there in the presence of our God, Him. 119. There is a place I long to be, still nearer my Savior and God, and I will rest eternally. care and his love to be my dear redeemer near there under his love and his care no more distress and no more fear he'll keep me from the tempter's snare 
take away the peace that in him I could find. I'll be protected every day by my sweet Savior and my guide. To be my dear Redeemer near, there under His love and His care, no more distress and no more fear. He'll keep me from the tempter's snare. I'll bid farewell to doubt and fear. Christ will make shine his light on me. And when to Jesus I am near, the showers of blessings I will see. To be my dear Redeemer near, there under His love and His care, no more distress and no more fear. He'll keep me from the tempter's snare. Glory and honor be to our God, and thanks be to the Lord for this opportunity, another day, another Sunday here with you, gathered, congregated in your homes, in your place, and with a joyful heart, and the Bible open and ready, ready for the work and to reflect and read how beautiful it is to read the Bible and how beautiful it is when we open the Bible and we reflect and we feel great satisfaction. We feel joyful and happy for despite the fact that this book is so old and it narrates things of thousands of years ago, but nevertheless, in the moment we open the Bible and we read, God is there. The Holy Spirit is there immediately near us. And he begins to bring to life and to turn all of these scriptures into a reality. And God, he begins to allow this to act in our life, in our being. And God also begins to manifest himself just as thousands of years back he manifested himself with these people. God also manifests himself to us. And so this is why we believe. We believe in God and we believe in the Bible. And today, my dear brothers and sisters and all the people that are listeners, that are spectators, our viewers, I love you and I think of you always and I ask God, to give you patience, to give you strength, to give you vigor and energy spiritually and encouragement to continue forward, continue marching forward, for we are facing moments of sadness and tribulation and many people are getting sick. Many people are even becoming mentally ill. But 
today that we are gathered or in these moments we gather, we are going to be remembering because for the brothers and sisters of the church, well, you already know this topic and this teaching, the importance of congregating it as a church, the importance of congregating in the church and gathering together and assembling in a place, in an establishment, a space, maybe a living room or a rental space, whatever you call it, but to congregate to assemble all the brothers and the sisters to meditate to, in our God, to speak and pray to our God and praise Him. And there the Holy Spirit begins to manifest. So today we're going to remember this teaching so that when the Lord allows and God takes away this pandemic and He allows us to once again congregate, well, then we are ready and prepared or we will be ready and prepared to congregate with joy. For we must value the orders of God, remember them, and put them to practice. There are many people, and there are churches and denominations or religions, many Christian groups, that are not agreeing are not in agreement with congregating every day to give God thanks or to praise the Lord. Now, of course, logically, there are many people, according to where they live, it is almost impossible to congregate in a place to serve God or to receive the blessings of our Lord because a lack of time or there's distance children and schools college those that go to school in the evening those that work there are many distractions in life that impede a person from congregating every day but god said that the doors of the church had to be open every day so that Maybe some come on one day, on the other day, others come, and those who can't come on certain days, well, they come on the third or the fourth day, and those who can't come on those days, they come on the fifth day. There are people that because of their job or their studies or their occupation or distance or transportation, they gather only once a week or every five days. Others, because of their age, there are some people who don't have anyone to bring them to the temple or the place, the church. We, The temple is that physical place. Knowing, of course, there's a physical temple and there's a spiritual temple. Now, the spiritual temple we know is the heart, but the physical temple, that is what we're talking about. There are people, because of their age, they have no one to drive them, so they can't go. But either way, the doors ought to be open. This, the Holy Spirit said in the very beginning when the church first began, that the doors needed to be opened for people needed to congregate. And so today we're going to review that importance of that order of our Lord and what the congregation is for and why it is important to congregate. Why it is important because God is always reiterating that we must congregate as a church. And so we're going to begin here in Leviticus chapter 8 verse 3. And you already know 
I'm sure you can guess what Leviticus chapter 8 is talking about, and it is about the congregation. We remember Moses. We're reminded of, of Moses when he gathered all of the congregation and he brought them to the temple. Let us remember God gave orders to Moses to build a tabernacle, and it was built and they, it was placed in the wilderness. And Moses, he would call all the people there to the tabernacle. He said, all needed to congregate. We all need to come and honor God, glorify him, perform the sacrifices, and do all of these things that needed to be done to honor our God. The sacrifices to honor God, the sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. For many things is why the people congregated. Here in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 3, we find concerning the congregation, well, we find that in many verses of the Bible. I have simply chosen a few so that I don't run over with time because I speak a lot. And so time goes by quickly and I'm happy speaking, but maybe some of you are going to get tired and you're going to say, oh, what a very long and extensive teaching. But here in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 3, it says, God, the Lord spoke to Moses, telling him to take Aaron and his sons with him and that they should put on their garments and they should bring their bull for the sin offering and to bring unleavened bread. And verse 3, and it says, gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The Lord spoke this to Moses to gather all the congregation, so all the people of Israel, there at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so the Lord, or Moses, obeyed the Lord and they gathered. For there they would begin to consecrate the priests and their children that were going to be consecrated as high priests as that lineage of the priests god was going to manifest himself there before the people before the sight of all the people they all needed to be consecrated aaron and his sons so that all would respect them and realize that god had named them and appointed them now we find here that that day the way in which god ordered this he says congregate for this it was so that they could be witnesses that god had spoken that aaron and his sons were priests and so they performed all their sacrifices in the necessary rituals and there was a motive there and the people needed to come to congregate but as i said in many different books of the books of moses it speaks concerning the congregation that Moses always gathered the people together to worship God, to praise him, to ask God for forgiveness whenever the Lord was angered. So all of them needed to gather together in the in the tabernacle before the Lord and asking for mercy. And that was done physically in that time. Now we move on to Psalms to take a look at the importance or why it is good to congregate. Now, we have already started with why they congregated because God wanted them to congregate that everyone should not just remain in their home seeking God, praying to God in their home. Yes, God hears and God sees and God blesses, but he is also pleased even more 
when all the people congregate as one to glorify the Lord. This is more pleasing to the Lord. Psalm 22, verse 22. We will be reading here. Now, Psalm 22, verse 22. Now, King David is praising here in his psalm, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He begins to sing and to speak this psalm. And in this prophecy, he speaks and mentions our Lord Jesus Christ and his suffering when he suffered as a human being here on earth. And so here in verse 22, our Lord Jesus Christ here, it was the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the mouth of David with this psalm. And it says in verse 19, But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Because the Lord, he did suffer a lot when he was on earth. He was persecuted. The devil persecuted him a lot using soldiers, using the governments of that time, and even using his own Jewish brethren, using priests, Pharisees, all of them the devil used to go against the Lord. And the Lord was suffering, for he was living as a human being, and he felt the pain. This is why it says, But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. At the time, that was the devil. And it says, and from the horns of the wild oxen, which were all of those people who were against the Lord. In verse 22, I will declare your name to my brethren. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ, here he was speaking to the Father, asking him to save him, to protect him, to help him for his task, his duty. The ministry that he needed to realize was announcing the name or declaring the name of God to his brethren, to his brethren, the Jews of that time, is what the Lord was saying. But as the Lord knew, they would not believe. And in that time, they did not believe in the Lord. They cast him away. Well, the Lord was looking at other brethren, those that were far, the Gentiles, that they would convert and that they too would be brethren of our Lord in the flesh. And so it says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he made this promise to the Father by saying, in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. And so what was the congregation used for? Now in this text, the congregation or assembly is used for the Lord to manifest and to be in the life of each man, each woman, praising God, glorifying God, helping human beings to help seek that or to help them in seeking the Lord and praising him. And so that the spiritual gifts are manifested. And so the Lord very clearly says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. And so when we gather as a church in a specific place, which we can call the temple, or it's a living room maybe in some places, or a rental space, the Holy Spirit takes those men and women that are congregated, and the Lord begins to manifest. 
He comes upon them and these people filled with the Holy Spirit begin to praise God, glorify and honor Him, exalt Him. And then come the visions, prophecy. And then there comes miracles and signs. All of this manifestation arrives to that congregation. And so how important it is to congregate. The congregation is important. And this is not a matter of every eight days because we say that we must seek the Lord and praise Him every day. Now, if you, for whatever reason, cannot congregate every day, well, then at home, you take some time to give God thanks and praise Him. And we continue speaking concerning the congregation. Let us go to Psalm 89. In verse 1, we will be reading from verse 1 to 8. Psalm 89, which says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. Now, for this to occur, for the Lord to be singing of the mercies of the Lord for all generations, for it says to all generations, what is needed is a congregation. We need a group of people to be congregated in order for the Lord to come and manifest and for this to happen. And it says, with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Now when the Lord is going to build up his throne to all generations, well, he needs a congregation. He needs a group assembled together as one, that all should be one in the Lord, so that God can manifest himself. And it says, And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. And so, assembly or congregation, it is for the Lord to begin to manifest himself, for him to begin to work miracles and marvels so that God may manifest in each person, so that God, well, God manifests in each person differently because there are different spiritual gifts. And so all people will begin to know God. This is why the Lord, he saw it very necessary for there to be a congregation and coming together to congregate. And it is not a matter of just on Sundays. Those who think that it is only necessary to congregate on a Sunday, well, they will never receive any spiritual blessing. They will never have spiritual gifts. They will never have the manifestation of God in their lives. Because they think that only with one day a week that you congregate, it is enough. No, every day we need to have fellowship with God. And the congregation is very important, except those who cannot make it. Verse 6, for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? So who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? Well, no one. It says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. 
So God is greatly to be feared. God is to be revered. God is to be exalted, praised, exalted for all eternity. This is what this is saying. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. It means that all the saints, meaning the believers in the Lord, those who follow and practice the commandments of our God, and they follow the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will praise him. They will honor him. They will sing to him. And so this is why it says God is greatly to be feared. We're not saying that we need to be afraid of him. Fear means to love, praise, and bless, and adore our God. Fearing God, praising God. That's what that word means, praising him. And so in the assembly of the saints and to be held in, re in reverence by all those around him. And so to be around our God, what is needed? Well, we need to congregate. We must congregate. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. It is this, his faithfulness surrounds you. Who is like you? Who is mighty like you? And so in the congregation or the assembly of the saints, you manifest yourself. We must congregate so that your manifestation descends, your Holy Spirit descends, and your marvelous spiritual gifts descends upon every man and every woman. How important it is to congregate. Here in Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verse 3, we'll be reading verse 3 and verse number 32. Now, verse 3 says, we'll start reading in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now, this is speaking symbolically as a parable or a figure by saying that the Lord gathered all his redeemed from the east, from the west, from the north and south because from all of those four hemispheres of the world the congregation or the church of our God would be formed. It is being formed. The church of our God made up of people of different nations and it says that he is gathering the redeemed so that the redeemed will say and speak, speak of the power of the Lord. Well, what is needed for that? Well, the congregation. For from your home, from your house, maybe you'll speak to those who live with you. Now, if they don't want to listen to you, well, then you have no one else to speak to and that they should bring to light all that you feel and have for our God, what you desire to give to the Lord and offer to him, all the praise, the honor, the glory. And so you alone in your home can't do that. You must congregate, and this is the congregation. And it's not congregating just every, every eight days. Now here in verse number 32, 32 says, let them exalt him. Also in the assembly, or verse 31, let's read there first. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. And so the congregation, how important it is. We must assemble to praise and to glorify our God. 
Now in Isaiah 43, verse 9, Isaiah 43, verse 9. Now again, I've told you I've only searched for a couple of verses. Now, but there are many that do speak of a congregation and assembling, but these are useful to us so that we remember, we are reminded of this teaching so that we never forget it. Let, we should value the importance of congregating because there the Lord is manifesting himself. The presence of God is manifested immediately when we all gather and come together in the Lord. Isaiah 43 verse 9. It says, let all the nations, now here the prophet Isaiah is speaking in his prophecy, speaking for the future, for those latter days. The prophet Isaiah saying that in the future, the Redeemer would come, the Savior, and that he would come to teach his word. He was coming to convert hearts so that people live a holy life, an upright life, a life without sin. And so he was prophesying here in this chapter 43. Now in verse 9, it says, let all the nations be gathered together. Now here, it is including the Gentiles. So that salvation was not just for the Jews, but the Gentiles would also be participating in this salvation of this gospel. And the Lord said, gather together, all the nations be gathered together. And it is not, as I said the other day, that we must take a flight and go to a certain country to congregate, no. When it says here, let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled, it means that the congregations that are established in the different places around the world, when they come together and assemble as a church, they are congregating, and so they're congregating over there, and we are congregating over here, but we will all be one in the Lord, because the Holy Spirit comes. The Lord will be manifesting himself in every congregation, allowing us all to feel the same thing, that same love, that same faith, one Lord, one Holy Spirit, all one in the Lord, one divine manifestation. If God to that group or that uh, congregation that is in Russia, he gives them the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts and makes them beautiful promises, well, here to us as well, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, makes us marvelous promises. And so he unites in that spiritual sense. There is unity, one accord, for God is the one that is in the midst of all of those congregations around the world. Now, the congregation is important. We must assemble together. Now, verse 9, again, let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is truth. Now, here, they were speaking of Jesus Christ, that the Redeemer would come to preach his gospel. And so this is saying, who was the one that was going to listen, listen to this gospel? Who would be a witness? Who was going to just be justified? Well, all of those that were going to hear and accept the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they, meaning us, who have believed, we are his witnesses. Why? What are we witnessing? Now, in verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, which is the Redeemer, the Messiah. 
that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. So he says, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. The Lord was speaking of salvation, of the word that is preached by our Lord Jesus Christ. And those that are listening, meaning those first who were the apostles, and then the rest of the people, and we are among that, we are witnessing, we're testifying. We ourselves are witnesses of the power of God. We are witnesses that God exists, that God is real. We are witnesses that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God himself, that he came to earth. He became a human being to manifest himself for some time and to live among human beings, for God willed so, willed this so, but he is God. And we are witnesses that we have seen his marvels. We have seen the signs, the wonders, the deeds that God has worked. God has performed many healings, diverse healings. He has healed. He has delivered. God has resurrected those that are dead. Those who have been dead and God has resurrected them. We are witnesses of that. We are witnesses and this is why we say Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God. He is God. And so those who say, well, I'm a witness that of the Lord, but I deny Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ was an ordinary man. He was just a prophet. And so I'm not a witness of anything or of anyone. Being a witness of God is of his power and his manifestation and of everything he did. He sent his son, his only begotten son. He sent him to the world because of love. He sent his only begotten son. But this only begotten son, for the Lord to send him to the world, he gave him flesh. And this is why he was born of a woman, so that he could live as a human being. And so he is that God. And he carried out those signs and miracles when he was preaching the gospel. He would assemble the people. And the people would follow him and he would speak to them and teach them. And he performed miracles and signs and people saw that. Many people would say, I am a witness. I am a witness that this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is God. He is no one else but God with us, teaching us. For he is manifesting himself. This is to be, this is what it means to be a witness. For there are people who say, I'm a witness of God, but of what exactly? If they have never had the Holy Spirit, they've never spoken in tongues, they have never had a spiritual gift, they've never seen a miracle from God's hand. When they lay hands on a person that is sick, they've never seen anything happen. God has never used them. So what are they a witness of? So let us be wise and understood. And we ourselves, we need to be realistic. And when we confirm something, we need to have have a foundation we need to have a reality to have something true something that is true to confirm what we are speaking of and what we're saying and what we believe in where we are standing very well this we would call maybe perhaps that we are intelligent and we ask the Lord for that intelligence that wisdom to know who I am and what I am and where I am and well who am I well we're speaking of the congregation and speaking that this congregation is important so that God can manifest himself. Now here the congregation in this verse is so important so that all may be witnesses of the manifestation of God. How many times have there been services 
where 10,000, 20,000, or 30,000 have gathered in one place in a Colosseum. And we've been praising the Lord, praying to Him, and we had a Bible study. We spoke of the Lord praying to our God, and God has manifested, delivered. He has removed witchcraft and sorcery. He's manifested Himself, and people testify of that. People cry, this I've seen, and I am a witness of it. I am a witness of that power and the existence of God. He exists, and I've lived it. I've seen it. I've seen the people that are sick, and God has healed them. Yes, in the church, in the congregation, or in that Colosseum when we were in the Bible study, God performed many miracles. So this is what we're highlighting concerning the importance of the congregation. And at the same time, we are highlighting that we must testify of our God, of what we have lived, not of what people share with us, because people can share many things to me th uh, through books or through texts. But I share what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've felt, what I've lived, my reality. This is what I share with people and this is what I tell them and this is what is marvelous. Now we continue in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, after Jeremiah is Ezekiel, chapter number 11, verse 17. Now speaking concerning the congregation and assembling together. The prophet Ezekiel, giving his prophecy as well, giving the prophecy to the people of Israel, to all of the people of Judea, giving his prophecy in verse 17, it says, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God. Now the Lord was telling Ezekiel, go and prophesy to them. Prophesy. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Now this, it's, it's spoken here as if this was physical, and it says, and they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. Now this is all the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was all done by Jesus Christ. He did that. He is doing that and will do that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So he did those things in his time when he was preaching. He did all of that. And then he left his missionaries, his apostles, and all of the rest of his people, he told them, go and evangelize. Speak to, pe to people all over the world about this gospel. And I, I will give them all their, a portion of my spirit, and I will manifest myself with each so that they may continue to do this work. And so when he says, I will gather you, and I will assemble you, now the Lord is saying that not that he was going to move them from one country to another to go and live no he is saying that his word the word of our lord would reach the hearts of those people and they will believe they will accept the lord and so they will begin to congregate for many will believe they will congregate and begin to praise and glorify the lord give him thanks and God begins to manifest himself. His Holy Spirit begins to manifest in every man and every woman. And in this way, God starts to manifest himself in them. He shows them his truth, his path, and doctrine. 
Now, when it says here, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. Yes, when our Lord told Nicodemus, what can I do to earn eternal or to attain eternal life? Well, you have to have a new heart, a new spirit. And this, that work, that miracle is done by our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And so he says that he will be gathering all of his chosen. And so in all the world, according to the word of our Lord and what he spoke and what we are seeing for now, in all the world, there will be congregations that will praise God, will praise him. And it will be God who will be there guiding, teaching, leading so that no one goes astray. And so that no one has different types of theories, but that they all should be one in the Lord, one in Christ. Just as in Ephesians, it says one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. This God does in every congregation around the place, around the different places of the world. And the congregation is useful so that the Lord manifests himself and so that we can be witnesses of our God. Witnesses. And so then we can sing this chorus that says, I am a witness, a witness of God's power. Let us now go to Matthew. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 20. Matthew 18, verse 20. And how beautiful this verse is. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ here is teaching, using parables. He's teaching his gospel using parables, teaching so many things, teaching the good way to live your life. Men and women ought to live their life. And here... In verse 19, the Lord says, Again, I say to you, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking here, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so how beautiful this promise of our Lord is and how important it is to congregate so and, we, and gather together so we cannot stay at home all the time. At home, I can't seek the Lord independently. We need to gather together, congregate so that the Lord manifests. There was once a sister who said to me, not just one sister, many people have said to me, I have not been able to make it to the church because, well, we've been sick and it's been hard. But at home we pray, we seek the Lord, we read the Bible, we sing, but it's not the same. It's not the same how it is to be in the congregation. It's not the same like going to the church. It doesn't feel the same and how hard it is. And I pray alone and I meditate in my room and I pray for five minutes and I'm tired and I have nothing else to say. But if I go to the congregation to praise God, we spend an hour and a half and time goes by quickly and it's easier, it's simple. That's what they've said to me. Now, maybe they're right. Surely they are right because the Lord said that we must congregate and how important it is to congregate together. At home, we pray to the Lord and give him thanks because if you are not able to go to the congregation for whatever reason, then you give God thanks at home. 
but there is something missing. And how beautiful the congregation is. We gather together because the Holy Spirit, the Lord immediately begins to manifest himself. We feel that heat, that heat of the Holy Spirit. And here the Lord says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. And how beautiful this promise is. Now let us go to Acts, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 38. In verse 38, now, the apostle uh, Stephen, apostle Stephen, or the evangelist, he, in this moment, was in the hands of his enemies. He was going to be stoned. But before being stoned, he began to preach a message, a message from God. And he preached, and he went all the way back, speaking to them of Moses. He was speaking to his enemies that were persecuting him at the time and that were going to take his life. He began to preach to them, and he started off here in verse 37. This is that Moses who sent to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Now he was preaching about Jesus Christ. He was saying, remember, Moses said that the Lord would raise up a prophet like him. This prophet is Jesus Christ. So, Stephen, in this moment, didn't directly say, well, look, he is God. Stephen said, well, how will I explain to them that it is God if they are ardently burning against me because of my preaching of the Lord? Well, at least I'll say he is a prophet because the Lord is a high priest. He is a prophet. He is king. He is the savior, the precursor. He is God. He is the son of God. He is God. And so Stephen in his wisdom, he says, well, I'm going to get to them using this angle so that they believe and accept. So this is the prophet that Moses spoke of, that he would raise up a prophet in the future. And so it is he, Jesus Christ. Verse 38, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us. So even Stephen said he spoke with the angel. Now to soften them, now he didn't directly tell them, well, Moses was speaking with God. Well, the angels, they were present as well. But Moses, he spoke face to face with the Lord. That's what it is said. But Stephen, to soften them and to be prudent and wise, for his enemies were there with the stones ready to cast them against him. So he says, this is who Moses spoke about. And he was, now Moses, who was in the wilderness, this is now Jesus Christ who I am preaching to you. Jesus Christ, whom you are now going to stone me for. And he says, the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, now says, now in that time, you did not want to listen to even Moses. 
But you caused him to sin. Now Stephen continues with his discourse. But what he was emphasizing here was that Moses had been with the congregation because God was interested in making his word known, his name known to all people, to all mankind. And so there, God began with Moses. God started with Moses to congregate the people, to make himself known. And so God has done this all the time. And throughout all the different ages, God has continued to do that. And the Lord is doing that today through his church. And his church is the congregation, the assembly of the saints. His church is in many different places around the world. In different countries, there is a congregation. And there, the Holy Spirit is guiding it. He is the one leading it. Our Lord is the one leading it. And so how important is this congregation? In Hebrews 10, 25, there is advice, very important advice, given from behalf of the apostle for people who don't like to congregate, but they they leave. Now here in Hebrew, in Acts, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 25. The apostle is, made, is giving advice to those who've converted in our Lord. In Acts 10, verse 25. We're reading here, of course, the scripture says that we should always congregate as some have stopped congregating, but we are exhorting one another. Verse, it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Now, this verse is emphasizing how important it is to congregate. For in the congregation, this is where you receive the teaching. People receive the teaching, the doctrine. The exhortation is to speak as I'm doing now. That's exhortation, and it's a teaching. But it is inviting people to do things this way. And so the congregation was useful to teach to give a sermon, to give prophecy, to make a prayer of petitions and needs so that the Lord, he hears many, he hears many more than just listening to one. So the petition, the prayer of two or three is more valid than ju of just one. So this is why we say, oh, pray for this person. Let us all pray for that person that is ill, who has this specific need or tribulation. Let us pray and ask our God. So the Lord has left us with the teaching, has told us how important it is to congregate. For there, many things are done within the congregation. We sing to the Lord. We praise him. We receive the spiritual gifts. And so the apostle here was advising that, that we should not stop or forsake assembling as some have done. Now, in some parts of the Bible, it said not forsaking our congregation, 
as some have, but people, they, they began to misinterpret this verse. Now, this verse is so misinterpreted for some people say that the church or people begin to form divisions in their, in their religions, in their beliefs, and they form these different Christian groups, and so there is a church, and then maybe there is unconformity among the believers. They're saying, I am not in agreement with this pastor and what he is saying, so let us leave and let us form a church on our own. We'll form our own congregation, and so they start a different church, they give it a different name, the Sanctuary of Christ, they just give it a different name, and then they grow and they become a great congregation, and then they end up saying, oh, well, I don't agree with this pastor, so let's leave and let's form another one until finally they form so many denominations. So many denominations because everyone is thinking of something else, believing something else, and not accepting, not submitting. But why does this happen? Because they are congregations led by men, led by human beings. And everything that man does, well, it fails because man has flaws, mistakes. They've always had them. And so man is not perfect, but God is. And when God guides and leads a congregation, well, there is no flaws. There's no mistakes. Everything is, there no longer is that excuse to say, well, I'm going to go off and form my own church because, well, I already have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of laying on of hands, so I'm leaving. I'm going to another place and I'm going to start my own church. And since I already prophesy, I can form my own church. But that, and well, it's happened with some. And they have gone to form their own church. I think you can hear me. Uh, we're waiting for the sign to return. But if you are listening to me, so I'm going to continue with the teaching. And what I was saying is that there were people or have been people from our congregation, from our church, that because they had the gift of prophecy, they had the gift of laying on of hands, they have left our church and they started to form their own church. They said, okay, well, let us start our own church because I'm not happy. I'm not agreeing with this or that. And they have gone and done these things and God has punished them. God has placed his hand upon these people and God takes away the spiritual gifts. God doesn't use them with the gift of prophecy anymore. They, what they begin to have is a spirit of error and therefore they have no growth. They don't advance or grow. And so these people, they have had to return back to the congregation asking for forgiveness. Now there might be one who remained there out of pride and not to feel humiliated and didn't want to come back to church to ask forgiveness so they remained in their place where they formed their independent church well it's now been over 20 years and they continue on with the same 10 people and that is basically the lord saying i'm not supporting you because it is god who guides who leads a congregation the church of our lord the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. The true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ needs to be guided 
by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that will govern and rule these people and will submit them and will allow people to respect and value our God. And that this is not a game. Because this is why we see thousands of religions or many denominations and many churches that say, I'm a Christian. And that the this Christian church and then that Christian church and, and they're all independent. But God is not with them because he is not ruling over them. The Holy Spirit is not manifesting himself. And so we are speaking today of the importance of congregating as a church. But we are saying that it is important to congregate where the true gospel of our Lord is preached. And the true gospel is that where the Holy Spirit of God is manifested. Where God is there governing. For if God is not ruling, well then we will be nothing. If we are not ruled or guided and led by God, by the Holy Spirit. So this is the sign. This is the sign that we have to know that we are following the path that is correct. But I've always said, if in your congregations and you say you're Christian and you read the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is not manifesting in your life, there are no miracles, there are no signs, there is no manifestation, there is no power from God, well then think to yourself and say, well, is this a mistake? Is this an error? We are doing something wrong. Lord, guide us. Show us the path because you are not manifesting yourself. What is happening? If you do so with sincerity, well, God, God will place you and will take you to the congregation that is right. Now, this work, this church, it's been about 50 years since we started and the Lord spoke to me for the first time. And God spoke to me and said, I will be the one in charge of bringing people and I will bring them and assemble them in this place, continue to congregate. And at the time it was four of us that would praise and worship and the Holy Spirit said, continue to congregate. I will bring all the people. I will bring them two by two. They will come. And so the Lord has done this. And even to this day, after 50 years, truly it was God who spoke for we have seen those promises fulfilled. And he said the church will be great all over the world. In Colombia and all over the world, the church will be great. And I will be the one in charge of bringing people and converting them. I will assemble all people. And so this has happened. We started off with four people. And today, well, there's about a thousand, over a, a thousand churches in over 60 countries. And so what God spoke in that time has come to pass. If God had not spoken, but it was a human being that spoke these words, well, then it would not have come to pass. But we see God spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke. This is why I am a witness. I am a witness of God, a true witness of God. I heard his voice. I heard his word. And I see the fulfillment today. This is being a witness. And so we are in the congregation of our God. And even to this day, 50 years later, there is no other place that says, well, this church has come out of there from that congregation of the Church of God Ministry of Jesus Christ International. They can't say that because God takes away his support. 
God does not approve or applaud stubbornness or the whims of people. What he wants is that a person has a sincere heart that seeks him, loves him, and keeps his commandments and lives a holy, upright life. This is what God wants. This is what the Lord supports. And so God will not go and support the whims of people. And so no other church will prosper or progress. People maybe have left our church and left and that's okay. But in starting a different denomination from us, no, there, that does not exist because this church is supported. This church is led by our God. We are waiting to give to God more because we need the Lord to manifest himself marvelously. And so this is the, con the congregation. This is the congregation. And today we see the fulfillment of our Lord and speaking of the importance of congregating, but truly for you to see that in this congregation, God is manifesting himself because if God is not manifesting in your congregation, then you are wasting your time. Now we are reading here in Hebrews 10.25, we've just read it, and now let us go to Hebrews 12, verse 23. Hebrews 12.23, now the apostle is also speaking concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and his greatness, his power, how important our Lord Jesus Christ is. Now in verse 21, it says, now Moses, when he was in Sinai speaking with God, now it says that he was exceedingly afraid and trembling in feeling the presence of God and that the people were not capable of looking upon Moses' face because of the great shine and splendor that God had given him. The people were not able to look at him. And so the apostle says, and so if those experiences, spiritual experiences, were lived by Moses, well then, today, how will we not live those same experiences with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, who is our Savior? And it says, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come, the apostle is saying to the believers, to the congregation, he is saying, you have come. In verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion. And we've already spoken, said that Mount Zion is the place, it is the church of our God, it is the hearts of men and women converted to the Lord, that is the Mount, that's Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. The city of the living God is the church, the hearts of men and women who have God in their heart. This is the city, or this is Mount Zion, or this is that city of the living God. And it says, and the heavenly, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Now let us remember there was a physical Jerusalem, but that physical Jerusalem has nothing to do with this because the Lord Jesus Christ told the Samaritan woman, he said, the day will come where you will neither worship here in Jerusalem. You will worship God in spirit, the hearts of men and women that convert. That is the church. That is the tabernacle. That is the temple of the Lord. So the apostle was saying, you have come to that heavenly Jerusalem, which is the church, to an innumerable company of angels. 
Verse 23, you have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. And you've also come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So you have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So you have come to that, to that congregation of the firstborn, those who are registered in heaven. Those firstborn are registered because the people of antiquity were not able to register for they failed God, they sinned. So our Lord Jesus Christ came to perform his marvelous work to congregate and bring together all of his saints so that they become those firstborn who would be saved and will, would be in the presence of God. So this is the congregation. This is the assembly. This is why the Lord desires for us to come and congregate. The congregation is important, but it is important to do so in the true place, the place where God manifests. And let us read a little bit and let us take advantage of the fact that while we lost our signal, we lost a little bit of time. Let us go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 19, verse 19 to 26, we'll read quickly concerning the congregation and what the congregation is good for and why it is important to congregate, but also it is for something so beautiful, something so important. Here in 1 Corinthians 14, Apostle Paul is speaking of speaking in tongues and having the spiritual gifts and how they are received when they are received and the baptism with the Holy Spirit which is to speak in tongues how is that received well in the congregation when the church is assembled together people gather as a church how do you receive the spiritual gifts well also in the congregation and so the person receives the gifts of healing, for example, but never goes to the congregation, but remains at home. Well, at home, who are they going to pray for? Who will they share that marvelous gift that they have? How will they win over more people if they are just at home and never congregate? And so here in verse 19, Paul says in verse 18, I think my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet, in the church or in the congregation, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me. Now this was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 28. This was prophesied and no one understood that the Lord was saying in other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And there our Lord manifested with the spiritual gifts, with the baptism, with the Holy Spirit. A person that receives the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that is that they speak another tongue. They speak another dialect, other tongues or languages. And so this is the proof. And so someone says, well, I heard someone say, well, no, I was taught 
that if who, if you accept Jesus Christ as a savior, I lifted my hand, I raised my hand, and the pastor said I had already received the Holy Spirit with the simple fact of raising my hand to accept Jesus Christ. You accepted Jesus Christ verbally, and because everyone was watching you and your friends, but in your heart you didn't. And either way, that's not how you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is received in the congregation, worshiping God. We must worship God, praise Him, pray to our Lord, and come together, assemble together in the congregation so that the Holy Spirit may come, descend, and manifest Himself. And He begins to give some the, uh, the tongues, others prophesy, others see visions. And so God gives His revelation and spiritual gifts to people. That is what we must do. And this is the truth. Not just saying, I raised my hand, and now you have the Spirit of God. That's not so. Now, it's the proof of that is to speak in other tongues. The evidence of it is to speak in other tongues, other dialects that are unknown. We don't know them. So, the apostle in verse 20, 22, Therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers but for those who believe. So the prophecy is a sign to the believer so that believers know, believe, and trust that God does exist. God manifests. There's that gift of prophecy and God speaks to his believers. This is why we have the gift of prophecy. We don't go out to the parks and commercial plazas and to the shopping centers and say, hey, come over here, I'll prophesy for you. I have the gift of prophecy and then I go out all to these public places to prophesy to people or I'll go to the corner street to, or to the beach, a public place, and I tell people, hey, come, let me prophesy for you. I have the gift of prophecy. No, the gift of prophecy is for the congregation. It is for the pe people that come together and assemble in the church. This is the sign. So those who desire and long for this, well, then you need to come to the congregation to receive of God so that God may speak to them. So this is the order. There might be some exceptions, of course. For example, a brother gets sick and he's in the hospital and he says, I want someone to come to the hospital to visit me, lay on hands and give me prophecy. Well, now, of course, not during this pandemic. Now, during this pandemic, you can't do those things. But before the pandemic or hopefully after, if a brother is sick, is in the hospital, a believer, and says, can you come visit me? I'm very sick. Well, then we go. We lay on hands, we pray, and we ask God, and surely there will be prophecy for this person. That can be done. But nothing more. Oh, maybe you're at home, and you're praising the Lord. And if you have the gift of prophecy, well, then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will speak to you through your own lips, many things. And this is normal. But the congregation is so important for you to gather and not, and, and for you to give of what you have to others so that they are edified. This is what this is saying. This is what the congregation is for. This is why you need to come together and assemble. Now, it says, therefore, if the whole church comes together, in one place, as I said, maybe in your living room, in a rental space, a plaza, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Well, yes, this is true. But if all prophesy, 
and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And so the congregation is used for what? Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you, when you come together as a church, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. And maybe others have visions, maybe others a gift of healings. We can continue with that. It says, let all things be done for edification. So you see, brothers and sisters, and all my dear viewers, the important thing about congregating in the right place, in the place where God has appointed and that he is forming his church, in the place where God is manifesting and the Holy Spirit along with these marvelous spiritual gifts that we read about and that people, they congregate, they have the spiritual gifts, they have revelations, they have prophecy. It is that place where we ought to congregate. If in your congregations you do not see this phenomenon and you have not enjoyed the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, well, then you are failing. There is a mistake. There is a flaw. There is an error. And you must say to God, Lord, take me to the place, the correct place. Because here, we don't have any of these things. We don't have the gift of prophecy. We don't have the gift of healings, the gift of miracles. We don't have these healings, miracles, and signs. No one speaks in tongues. No one has visions. We don't have this, Lord. And so this is the true church of our Lord Jesus Christ. The true church of our Lord Jesus Christ is where God manifests, where all the spiritual gifts are manifested, for it is the Holy Spirit that is leading the congregation. And so to all my dear brothers and sisters and all the other people that, are diff that speak different languages, those that speak English, French, German, you maybe perhaps had been taught that you only needed to congregate on a Sunday. No, we must congregate. And if you are able to congregate once these days of tribulation have passed and the temples are open again, I advise you to congregate. If you are able to do so every day, great. If, you're con if you can do so three days out of the week or four days out of the week, great, do so. But do not wait to go just every uh, every once or once a week because how will you receive the spiritual gifts how will you receive that how will god give you the spiritual gifts if you don't congregate we know that the congregation is used for the lord to manifest and for him to give those spiritual gifts and if you want to serve god as well and preach and be apostles be be teachers be evangelists well then i'm inviting you all the brothers and sisters who speak different languages i'm inviting you to not just be confident in, in coming in on a sunday and there might be some other religions probably who have gotten used to only going on a sunday but every day we must seek the lord every day and the lord ordered that people ought to congregate daily
And so people take turns. Those who are able to come, they come. Those who can't, they come on another day. And those who really can't come at all, they pray for those who can't make it. And the doors are open. The congregation is open. And it's open so that the Holy Spirit may move. The presence of God may move in the midst of all. And in this way, we see God's power in our lives. And that is how we get to know the Lord more. And we are witnesses of our God in saying, I am a witness of the Lord because I have lived. I am living those experiences with God. And he manifests among us the honor and the glory before our God. And so you are all cordially invited to seek that true congregation. Let us pray, O Holy Father, O Eternal God. O Heavenly Father, creator of the heavens and earth, our Father, our God, our King, you, Lord, are our ruler and Lord. You are the King of Kings that is ruling, ruling in all the universe, and you are worthy of all honor, praise, and glory. Worthy you are of all praises of your people, of your church, of your congregation, all those who know you, who praise you and glorify you. And even those who do not know you, let them humble themselves before you and give you thanks. And all, all people, Lord, may recognize that you are our true God that exists you, Lord, are not just what the world is saying, that you are just an energy or that you are a being that hides from men, from people, and that you have forsaken your creation because people that are stubborn, they don't know what to say or what to express. They don't recognize because they are in their sin practicing and committing all evil things they have lost that fellowship with you and that's why you do not manifest yourself to them and they speak all of these stubborn things that come from their heart oh heavenly father but we we are getting to know you we have known your word and in these 50 years that you have been manifesting in our midst we have been getting to know you and we are thankful and every day more more in love with you, with your manifestation, with your presence and your blessings, Lord. We are waiting for something more from you, waiting for you to teach us more, for you to give us more wisdom, more intelligence, more understanding, to comprehend your true ways and to follow them, and to also be able to teach many other people, all those who open themselves to hear your word, those who open their heart to hear you. Lord, take away all stubbornness, rebellion, for there is much hardness of heart. There are many people that are very uh, proud who do not want to have that peace and joy. People who seek their own harm and they turn away from your path and they become rebellious. But you, Lord, in your love and in your mercy, you will change them. You will take away all of these tendencies and so you will be gathering and bringing everyone together to assemble as one so that we may all feel the same thing one feeling praising your name glorifying you and doing your will and fulfilling your word your commandments thank you my lord father in your mercy i pray lord in this moment in the name of your son jesus christ of nazareth i pray that you extend your healing hand upon all the people that are sick, all the people 
that are suffering from multiple sicknesses. May you, Lord, remove them. All the psychological illnesses, which are sometimes the more destructive, they destroy people. They steal people's peace and joy. Lord, I pray that you deliver, that you take away all witchcraft, sorcery, all curses, that you remove all this evil, that you free, deliver, and heal those physical sicknesses of the body, that you heal from the top of the head to the toes of people's feet, of all, different, of all people who have diverse sicknesses that are incurable, and they pray to you, they cry out to you. May you hear their prayer. May you hear all of their sorrows. If they, Lord, are not worthy because they are not living an upright life before you, well, we pray that you have mercy, that with your love and your mercy that you heal, that you cleanse and deliver each one, not paying heed to their errors and faults, but have mercy, Lord, and give them a chance so that one day they may change, repent, and recognize you as the true God. Thank you, my Lord, for hearing our prayer. Thank you because we are before your presence. Thank you because you listen to us, because you are close to every one of us. Bless all people of different ages, Lord. Free, deliver, and cleanse each person. Give them joy in their hearts. Thank you, Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Glory to the Almighty forevermore. Amen. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Let us sing chorus number eight. Chorus number eight, which is titled, In the Church of God, There is Joy and Gladness. And this is true, because when the Spirit of God is present, manifesting himself in the congregation, well, we feel much joy and much gladness. In the church of God, there is joy and gladness. In the church of God, there is joy and gladness. For the Savior dwells in here, for the Savior dwells in here. In the church of God there is joy and gladness. Praise the Lord with all your zeal, praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord and you will also feel this gladness. Praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord and you will also feel this gladness. In the church of God there is joy and gladness. In the church of God there is joy and gladness. For the Savior dwells in here, for the Savior dwells in here. In the church of God there is joy and gladness. Praise the Lord with all your zeal, praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord and you will also feel this gladness. Praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord with all your zeal. Praise the Lord and you will also feel this gladness. Glory to the Lord and thanks be to our God. Many thanks. May the Lord bless you and please excuse us for that small interruption that we had with our signal. But either way, our God is happy. He is very happy with all of you. May God bless you. God will bless you greatly. Thank you. I love you with all my heart. Many kisses to you all. God bless you.